What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of No BS. I'm your host, Bahid Sayed, and, you know, welcome back. You know, it's been it's been one day, actually, since I released my last podcast, so I'm, like, really excited to release this one. Um, I hope you all had a wonderful Monday. I know, for me, I woke up today, like, what time was it? I think it was 6 a.m., man, for football practice. Ooh, that was hard. We had, like, practice until, what time today? Until 9-something. So, I came home, like, 9-30-ish. Took a shower, did some of my laundry, went outside, bro. It's a beautiful day today. It's a beautiful day. Good to be, you know, good to be here. So, I just wanted to talk today, uh, today, you know, about uh, a topic, you know, misconceptions about many. Um, and that topic is gentrification. And if you don't know what that is here, let me explain it to you. Uh, gentrification is basically um, defined, you know, by most people as the process of uh, more affluent people or more richer people moving into neighborhoods uh, and basically renovating them, you know, and investing their money into those neighborhoods, for example. So, like, examples of those are, like, um, downtown Dallas, Dallas, for example, um, how they renovated it or, you know, mostly we see, like, the biggest examples are in downtown downtown Chicago, for example. So, gentrification is, you know, misinterpreted by a lot of people as, like, one side is bad and one side is wrong. And, you know, there isn't a middle ground between the two. So, you know, hopefully today I'm going to, like, clear that up a little bit. So, so, like, this was the topic that was given to me, I think, in my freshman year. And we had to, like, prepare both sides of the argument. It was in, like, I think it was debate class. So we had to prepare both sides of the argument, you know. We had to talk for, I think it was, like, 10 minutes for each side. It was, like, a uh, courtroom sort of debate kind of thing. So um, when I first heard about the topic, I was like, what the hell is this? Like, another boring-ass topic. But, like, I soon came to realize, you know, that there is a lot more to it than, you know, is seen by the naked eye. Uh, so some some of the pros of it that I found during my research were that like gentrification, yes, it does improve you know a neighborhood, uh, you know aesthetically, uh, financially, it improves the neighborhood. It creates uh, more job opportunities. It creates you know I want to say is I don't know what the word is a safer environment I guess, but I don't know what the right word is on that. So gentrification does improve community. Don't get me wrong, but the cons to that is, in, like, most cases, it displaces people. And these people are displaced from their neighborhood that they grew up in, their families grew up in, you know. that It takes away their sort of culture from it. Now, that's not to say that everyone is displaced because of gentrification. No. Certain people are affected, you know, more than others, you know. And gentrification overall will happen to the majority of, you know, the less affluent people, and the majority of them are minorities. And, you know, I just wanted to pause here and say, like, me personally, I feel like, um, I don't know, like, a people less affluent or less fortunate people, I feel like the decisions that they make um, has led them to where they are right now, like, today's society. Um you know, one of the examples I always argue this is that um, when you have a more affluent family, you'll see that they have a lesser amount of kids or lesser amount of family than, um, you know, 
than the less the less African counterpart um, has. Like one thing that's I don't want to like you know stereotype or classify people, but one thing that you see in most um, less fortunate people is the amount of kids that they have. Like uh, in Saudi Arabia or in Afghanistan, Egypt, you know, etc. Going on, you can you see that the majority of these like uh, I want to say poor people have a lot of kids, and you know, just to break it down for you, for example, um, say a family has one kid, okay. And they spend, you know, maybe they put a budget aside, you know, they spend $500 on that one child, right? Well, now break that family up and imagine they have five kids. So now that $500 is going to go to 100 to each kid. So each kid gets $100, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked now, so let's go back. Um, so, yeah, gentrification does displace people and can harm them, you know? So I think a middle ground um, to come, you know, between the two is that, um, you know, homeowners or, you know, apartment complex managers or, you know, whatever the case may be, they should make a two-year plan or one-year plan allowing those residents to stay in those neighborhoods. And then they have the choice by themselves whether or not they want to move on. You know, it shouldn't be just like a forceful eviction like like, like we've seen. For example, they raise the prices of their uh, apartment rent so high that no one can afford it anymore. And basically, they're forced to move out, you know. So this can be solved, I believe, like by implementing a plan that can um, help keep, you know, current residents in those neighborhoods without displacing them. And, you know, although it's, it sounds like it's so easy to say, in reality, it's so much harder to do. Because what you're basically essentially doing is you're adding money in, you're adding investment in, you're, uh, f- so to speak, improving the neighborhood. So with improvement comes, you know, some sacrifice to that. And that sacrifice isn't always a good thing. And it isn't always, a, you know, a good feeling to have, you know, that I want to place myself above someone else. But sometimes in society, you know, things must be done. Uh, although there is benefits to it, we got to think 10 times before, you know, we commit the action that we do. And yeah, so the whole thing about gentrification, how it ties back into um, the less affluent people is because the majority of the people affected by gentrification is the less affluent people. And although, you know, so yeah, um, and now, I don't know why, but now since I mentioned the whole like um, children part with, you know, poor people, I feel like I want to elaborate on that because like I feel like I just touched on it like too broadly. I'll come back, of course, you know, so, you know, what I, I don't know, what stirs my emotions the most is when I see someone asking for money and they have their little children with them. Now, like, you, you, I want to help them out, don't get, like, don't get me wrong, like, anyone that would see um, someone ask for money and their little baby crying on the side of the street would help them, but then at the same time, you have to realize what, what choices did they make that put them in that position, and, you know, once once you look at it through the bigger picture, I mean, it's it's a harsh reality to accept. Like, for example, one of the main reasons why we have our, we have homeless people is either one, because of drugs, two, because of alcohol addiction, uh, three, because of gambling addiction. You know, it's, and I'm not saying all homeless people, you know, classify under these three categories, 
but I'm saying the majority of them is that is because of this, and that we need to, um, you know, we need to start, you know, putting our resources towards, you know, the older generation and the newer generation, you know, to improve society as a whole. So going back to the topic, you know, like when when someone asks, you know, for money, and they have a little kid, you know, I don't know, because like I always say before, you know. You, there is such thing as, you know, having one or two kids or having one, two, three kids. You know, in America, people, most families have two to three kids. You know, maybe once in a while you see four. But, like, rarely you see over that number. But in, like, third world countries, you're going to see, like... I know my dad, he had 12 brothers and sisters. And some of my friends in Saudi Arabia, they have 24, you know? So that's a crazy amount of people. And then you have to, then you ask yourself... Why are they in the situation that they're in right now? And that's, again, because of the choices that they make. Your choice that you make today can impact your whole future. Like, a simple, simple crime that you can make can put you in jail for years, you know? And so the choices that we make today, you know, have to be on point, have to be sharp. Think 10 times before you do an action. Like, the quote, think 10 times before you say something. Same thing applies to this situation. Think 10 times before you do an action. Is what I'm doing right? Is what I'm doing going to uh, affect me for the better, you know, in the overall picture? And yes, sometimes, you know, once in a blue moon, we may have, you know, these moments where our judgment isn't, you know, the greatest, you know? But we should try and strive to perfect ourselves and strive to, you know, reach a level where we can, you know, say for certainty, yes, I'm what I'm doing is right, you know? And that's that's a very, very difficult thing for many people to, you know, achieve. And many people, including myself, still haven't achieved that yet, you know? And yeah. Now I want to take a moment now and talk about, you know, the recent killing of so many African Americans, so many minorities across the world and across America. We just got news that, you know, the news that another person was shot and killed. And, you know, it's it's sickening to hear these stories that are happening, you know, every day. People are being hunted down just because of their race and just because of their color. But, you know, we have to understand that during these times, that we have to stand in unity together. We can't, like, you know, the quote, a house divided cannot stand, you know. And therefore, we have to join together in unity, no matter what culture you are, no matter what race you are, no matter the color of your skin, no matter what language you speak, no matter how tall or how short you are, no matter whether you can read or not, no matter whether, you know, you're rich or poor, you know, we no matter what political party you uh, choose to align with, we all have to come together in unity and problems can be solved if we come together in unity. If we come together and we sit down, you know, and we fight together for what's right, you know. Like, I saw a video, I think it was yesterday, about a guy doing a social experiment where he, um, you know, dressed as a Trump supporter and went out into these Black Lives uh, Matter marches and, you know, held up a sign saying, I stand for unity, do you stand with me? And like the the reaction the the response that he was getting from people was so like I don't know I don't want to say sickening but so 
it was it was kind of sickening the reaction that you know he received. People cursing at him, people shouting at him. Just because you agree with one person's political views doesn't make you a bad person yourself. Just because you want, uh, you believe something else, and you like, and the other person believes something else, doesn't that doesn't mean that you guys have to stand against each other? It is perfectly okay to disagree with someone yet um, go against their political or religious beliefs. And you know the same thing applies to any situation. Like for me, for example, um, I might I might not follow the same religion you follow. I might not eat the same food you eat. I might not vote for the same president that you vote for. But at the same time, I stand for justice the same as you stand for justice. Now, if our goal is really to achieve justice, to strive for equality, then we have to put the little, the little, um, the little things aside of a person. What makes a person? What makes a person is the detail in him. What makes a person is the the fact that he can decide for himself what he believes is right or wrong. But when you want to stand together, when we want to stand together for one cause, then we should actually come together and stand for one cause. We can't say, hey, no, you can't you can't be here just because you believe in something different. Um, just because you voted for this guy, you can't march with us. Just because you um, said this thing, you can't march with us in unity. So, yeah... What what I believe is that, you know, again, unity, we need to come together as one, you know, not, we can't make barriers amongst each other, we can't divide, you know, ourselves amongst each other, and that's just going to create more problems, you know, in the future. Yeah, and that's all, you know, I really had to say for today's, you know, podcast. I know this one was like longer than usual, and I got like, you know, sidetracked a lot of times. But I hope you guys did actually, you know, learn from something or, you know, maybe see a different opinion that, you know, changed the way of your thinking of how you think before. So, yeah, um, if you like this podcast, please consider sharing it. Um, I know we hit Spotify a couple of days ago um, and Apple Podcasts should be up and running. Um, no BS. That's again, all caps, no BS. You can search this one as episode two. And yeah, clocking out on Behisay, and thank you for listening to No BS.